0: You are listening to a message by refuge community church refuge exists to glorify god by making disciples that shake their communities with the love of jesus welcome to refuge community church my name is sean seguin i'm one of the pastors here uh, I just want to thank you for joining us, um, you know, where wherever you are right now, whether you're in your house, you know, chilling in your bed, whatever you're doing, watching with us, whether it's Sunday morning or Friday night, thank you uh, for joining us. And it, I just want to say, if you've never joined us before, if you've never uh, watched along and, and gotten an opportunity to do this, I would encourage you uh, to fill out a connection card. There's a link in the description you can do that. Uh, and, and that way we can connect with you. We can help you get connected. Uh this is extremely important during during these times where we are so distanced from people we need community so i would i would strongly encourage you um go fill that out if you've never done that before and you've you've been watching anyway please we would love to connect with you we'd love to get to know you uh we'd love to help you get connected and so uh yeah thank you for joining us um and you know especially as we're doing these things online uh thankfully we had our first uh outdoor uh, in-person gathering uh last week though we got our uh, an opportunity to finally do that and it was it was actually really really great we got uh we had uh you know a good a good group of people show up uh you know uh, around 40 50 people and uh and there was such a, a good amount of space; we were able to spread out, be socially distanced. There was like all the precautions that needed to be taken were taken. It, it was safe and it was encouraging. And I just want—I just want to encourage you that if you uh, if you are able next month when we do this again, join us. It, it is actually it's such an encouraging time uh, to be able to be around other believers uh, in person uh, and and learning and growing and worshiping together. So encourage you, uh, join us next month when we do that. That being said, um, this last Sunday, uh, last week, we we tried to catch the uh, sermon on, on video and audio, uh, and we had some technical difficulties. So uh, we don't have that available to you. So sorry that you missed out on that. Um, and uh, hopefully this next Next uh, month, we'll have that, all, all those things straightened out. Anyway, all that being said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and dive into our sermon today. Uh, we're going to be in Romans 12, uh, and I'm just doing a standalone sermon. Uh, but before we do that, I'm just going to go ahead and, and pray real quick. Father, uh, I pray that you would challenge our hearts today. I pray that we would be uh, moved by your Spirit to follow you, wherever you're leading us, thank you, God, for your, your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would breathe upon my words as I speak. I pray that I would preach your word with boldness and humility, and at the same time, uh, that you would anoint it as it goes out, that it, it, people's, people receiving it would, uh, would uh, be changed by, it, by your word. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Let us be changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So, you know, about 10 years ago when my wife, actually almost 11 years ago now, when my wife and I first got married, we were talking about when we would like to have kids and stuff and we started to, I started to kind of like lay out my views on things and one of the things that I had in mind was that I truly, I genuinely uh, did not think of like wanting to have babies. I was excited about uh, cultivating a child into a fully formed adult. And, and this is, I, I think this is actually a really healthy perspective. Um, if your goal in having children is to have babies, if that's all your goal is, you'll be very, very dissatisfied when your babies turn into toddlers, when your toddlers turn into young uh, uh, little kids, then big kids, then uh, <laughs> teenagers and all that. You will be very disappointed as your baby moves out of the baby stage. The point of having children is not to have a baby. The point is to help grow. And mature this child into a fully functioning human being. That is our our goal as we have children. Obviously, there are other goals, like we want to uh, grow our family and those kinds of things. But in in their development, in in their as they're being as they're born the pur- the purpose isn't so we can have a baby forever i mean it would be uh, a horrible thing you know if <laughs> it would be a strange very very strange thing to see a 30-year-old woman or man being held by their mom or dad being breastfed and and uh you know you know not not caring for themselves or whatever like that that would be a a Odd thing, it wouldn't be the expected thing, right? Like and, and many of it, we would say, Oh, that's that's not very healthy. Like you should have moved past breastfeeding by now. Um, and there there is this um, there is this sense that sanctification and salvation, these things function much like that. When we are born again, when we are born anew, the purpose isn't to stay a baby. You don't stay in that that baby stage of Christianity. The goal is to eventually grow into maturity in Christ. Like that is the goal. Eventually, we don't want to stay like we are. We want to grow. We want to be changed. We want uh, uh, to have our those those sin habits and things transformed, and we want to become new creations in Christ. Like walk in that new creation self that we have. And, and and in fact, um, we see uh, Paul talk about this in, in, in 1 Corinthians. He talks about the, the church being worldly and spiritual infants. Uh, and the author of Hebrews mentioning that the church should be grown, enough, that they should be able to be teachers by now, but they're still learning uh, these basic principles. This idea of spiritual growth, uh, like I said, known as sanctification, is absolutely the goal uh, of every believer And here in our text, uh, Paul doesn't want uh, the Romans, uh, the Roman church to be in the same boat as the Corinthians. He wants them to grow up in maturity. He's encouraging them to not be worldly and and to actually start taking steps forward. And as you all know, uh, growing up isn't easy, right? Uh, It's hard to learn how to walk. I mean, how many times have my children learning to walk, how many hard tumbles have they taken? like it's hard to learn those things it's hard to learn how to read we are homeschooling our kids right now and uh and i'm telling you man try, watching them like work through reading it is rough like they're they're struggling to to pronounce the words and it, and it's just this mental strain and they're 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 as they're growing their brain and stretching it it's not easy my you know my kids enjoy it for like a minute and then eventually they're like okay let's move on and and I have to encourage them on to keep going. Like, there's a reality that growing is not easy, but that is essential in our, in our development. And this is what our message is about today. So, sanctification. This is the title of the sermon, sanctification. Very simple, sanctification. And we're gonna be diving into these uh, two verses that were already read. Uh, but as we do, uh, we're gonna see three things about sanctification, Sanctification is a response to the gospel that requires a rejection of conformity and a renewal of the mind. And this would be my like uh text in a tweet if you need like a short statement to say what what exactly uh what what's the whole overall message here? Uh it, it is this statement. You can write this down if you if you would like. Um, sanctification is a response to the gospel that requires. A renewal of the mind, and uh, a—I'm a, sorry—sanctification is a responsible go- a response to the gospel. Uh, that requires a rejection of conformity and a renewal of the mind. A response to the gospel that requires a rejection of conformity and renewal of the mind. A- and so uh, those are my three point- points. Response to the gospel, rejection of conformity, and renewal of the mind. And so we're gonna dive into that first point, uh, uh, response to the gospel. Romans 12, we'll be looking at just verse one right now. Romans twelve one. response to the gospel. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And he starts off this this chapter with the word therefore. And and as many of you have heard before in many church services, I'm sure, when you see therefore in, in a verse, you always need to ask, what is it therefore right like that that's the that's what we do so if we're going to do good uh bible study what is the therefore therefore um and he says because he's saying here therefore in view of the mercies of god what is he talking about well in the last uh last 3 chapters chapters 9 through 11 in romans he's been diving into this like overarching plan of god and this this like unfolding of the plan how it may look uh, odd it may not look right but but as like some of the hearts are hardened. Uh, more people are invited into the family of God. And, and then by more people coming into the family of God, those whose hearts were hardened actually turn, like there's this like strange plan at work and God is orchestrating this whole thing. And and so from nine through 11, you get this picture of God's plan. And, and at the end of chapter eight of Romans and at the beginning, at, and at the end of chapter 11 of Romans, there are these two hymns of praise. The one at the end of chapter eight is like uh, about uh, individuals these people and what God is doing in them uh, and then at the uh, the end of chapter 11 it's it's a hymn of praise about God's plan about his his knowledge about his will uh, and so we're getting this beautiful picture laid out and as it completes it, so it, it he like lifts up it just just erupts into this praise of God's plan and as he as he does that he moves into chapter 12 where we get the therefore. He's talking about the plan, the gospel plan, to renew and restore all things. That is the plan that Paul is talking about. So as he lays out the, he lays out the plan, he lays out the good news of the gospel that all creation is being restored and made whole, and then God is entering in through his people and and transforming this world through his people and in his, and and, and creating a new people for himself. As God does this, then he says, therefore, uh, and, and he's, he says, therefore, in view of the mercies of God. And then he moves on to, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. So what we understand is, is that There is something that needs to happen in response to the good news of the gospel, the fact that I have been transformed, that there has been an inward change, that God has rescued me and my heart. He's rescued you and transformed you. There is something that's happened in you and in me and in those who place their trust in Christ that now calls them to something else, calls them into a kind of daily death, and we're gonna get into that some more. He's 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 calling us to make ourselves as living sacrifices. As we as we do this, our hearts are as our hearts are transformed inwardly, it's time for us to live this outwardly. Um and in Romans six, Paul is is speaking about what our baptism represents. And he says that our old self was crucified with Christ, so we don't have to be slaves to the body of sin any longer. And so here he's talking about being these living sacrifices. There we saw that we have died in Christ and with Christ in our baptism. We recognize this. There's this sense that as we die uh, daily it is a death that we die in Christ that he as he died we enter in with him because when we die with him we rise with him as well and so this daily death that we do though is is the process of sanctification this is the process of sanctification and in fact I'm going to give you kind of a, a running uh, definition of of sanctification sanctification is the living out of the identity that you have been given. Actually, I should say sanctification is the growing into the identity that you have already been given by trusting in Jesus. So sanctification is the growing into the identity that you have been given in Christ Jesus. And, and this process of sanctification is not easy. It's, it is a, a daily death, right? Um, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, you know, take up his cross and follow me. Taking up your cross means you're, you're on your way to death. Paul talks about himself dying daily in 1st Corinthians 15. I mean, these, this is what it feels like. This is what it's like to, to truly live your life, not for yourself, not for your own self, but for, for others to become Selfless and not self-centered any longer. I mean, but in this world and in these bodies, it's just easier to live for yourself. And, and this is why it feels like we become these living sacrifices. This is why on a daily basis, it feels like dying. It's not easy. It's stretching. It's hard. And, and I'll say this. I didn't realize how, uh, how self-centered I was until I had kids, actually. When I had kids, that was when I began to realize how much I loved myself. Man, waking up at at one a.m. because a, a child is calling for help or something, you know, going in there—it's you know—it it takes everything in me to not be frustrated. Especially like it's okay. I mean, like man, if they're if they're hurt, something wrong, I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna be love on them. But man, when they're just like wandering around and kicking the walls for no reason, and parents, you know, that happens. You know, they're just like crawling around the room for no reason when that's happening and i have to go in there and wake up because of them you know knocking something over then i get so frustrated and i realize immediately the selfishness in me that's like i don't want to wake up right now i didn't ask for this and i'm like well technically i did right like i had kids but there's there's this this reality i realize how selfish i am when i when i i have to when i'm in a place where i'm responsible for this other human being now i, I my wife and I, Kayla and I become servants of our children. We cook for them, clean for them. We help, we, you know, we, we help them get things done that they're supposed to be doing. Like it is, we, we take all of these burdens on ourselves and the reality is like we don't even, we don't, we don't get a break from it, right? My wife even more so, my wife is doing uh, the, the brunt of all the homeschooling and all that stuff and she's carrying that weight and then she gets off work, right? And then she's still, apparent like it doesn't go away and so you can feel this sense of di- dying daily it can hurt it can it can be it's extremely stressful and it's and it's that moments of stress that's when you realize the self-centeredness that we have that we, we just want to comfort ourselves we want to take care of ourselves that that rea- reality is it's hard it's difficult it hurts but this is the only way we grow and we, and we have to remember uh that we're not just doing something uh that god was wasn't willing to do. Jesus came and died for us, and in fact talking about romans six that that in in his like we are we die with him. the reality is that if he didn't die, our sacrifices are meaningless this this passage that that starts off or that starts off in the uh with this Make your body's living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. It can't be worship to God if he didn't die first. But as you recognize his death and as you see your daily struggle to love others well, to be the first to forgive, to be the first to lay down your life and your rights for, to lift up others, as you, as you see these things and as you stretch yourself and as you die daily, as we do these things, we do it because we recognize that he did it first, that he first loved us and so we are responding to this beautiful and gracious love and it changes us and, and it begins to shape us. This, this is how we become these living sacrifices. This is how we begin to live this thing out. It be, it, we recognize that it is a response to what he has done. It's a response to the gospel. We were crucified with Christ And in placing our trust in him uh, and then being baptized into his death and resurrection, we become these living sacrifices. And so sanctification is not only a response to the gospel, though, in which we we grow into this new identity we are given in Christ. It is a rejection of conformity, a rejection of conformity. Verse 2a says this, do not be conformed to this age. Do not be conformed to this age. What does Paul mean when he says this age? This age. This age is a, a strange phrase. Um, some translations say "world." Age is a, is a better translation, I think. Uh, it, it, ca- it captures what uh, the original Greek means. It's uh, aeon, which uh, is where we get the word "eon." Like, it's more of a time period, but it, it's it's a time period designated or marked by a something significant. Um, so there might be like the age of the old covenant and the age of the new covenant. Uh, there, in in what Paul is diving into here, this picture of Of this age. He's referring to the age that is dying and passing away, the age that is ruled by sin and death. And the reason it's dying and passing away is because the new age, the age where Jesus has risen and reigns, that age is breaking into this old age and it is dissolving this old age. So there's this like sense of already here and yet not here. Um, This is Called the already and or not yet or the inaugurated kingdom. This this is what uh, what the, many theologians refer to as the already and the not yet. And so what we see is in this age there is sin and death reigning, and yet we know that Jesus has already broken in. He's already begun to reign in our hearts. He's already overcome sin and death in our hearts. He's already transformed us. Right. Um. And but uh. But when Paul says, "Do not be conformed to." this age he's saying don't continue to live in the way that you used to be in the in the like your your body still yes it's part of the old creation it will be transformed into that part of the new creation just like you and your identity has already been transformed but don't be conformed to the world around you to an age ruled by sin and death that's that's ultimately what he's saying this is all part of the process of sanctification, not being conformed to the, to the the world around us to the brokenness around us when we look around us and we see darkness we see brokenness when we see uh, uh when we see injustice oppression uh, uh self-centeredness when we see these things around us broken systems and we know we've participated in them in, in, in different ways when we see them around us we aren't seeing the new age that is breaking in through jesus and reigning what we're seeing is the old age which is being done away with And we can trust and know that the new age is being done away with or the old age is being done away with because Christ has entered our hearts and transformed us. And so we're entering into that place. But sometimes we find ourselves participating in that old self. You know, we struggle. That doesn't mean we've lost, you know, uh, we're no longer uh, God's own people, you know. It just means we're struggling in this process of sanctification. Man, this summer, um, this past summer our yard looked horrible. Like looked horrible, like weeds were everywhere. I tra- okay, I know I shouldn't have mowed over them because it just spread seeds everywhere. I mowed over them and then they just grew like crazy. Looked, it, my yard looked like the field across the street. There is a field across the street, which is why we have seeds that have traveled over and our yard looks like that field, but my yard looks like the field across the street. But I have to say that my yard is not a field. My yard is not a field, but it looks like the field across the street. You're like, why are you talking about your yard and the field? See, and, and I spent hours pulling these weeds. Stay with me. I spent hours pulling these weeds, and, and it seemed like no matter what I did, I'd get a clear spot, and then I would look around, and I'd just see more weeds. And I'd be frustrated. I'd go, go back inside. I'd come out the next day, try it again. Uh, I, I honestly, I gave up. I just kind of just kept mowing it. I was like, forget this. Reality is my yard started to look like the field across the street, but the, reality, the, but the deeper reality is that it's not a field. It is my yard. It's my yard because it's attached to my property and it's in front of my house. It is mine. What makes it the yard is that it's mine and that it exists within my, like it's in, on my property in front of my house. It, its placement is what makes it, its identity what it is. Maybe, maybe you're starting to follow along here. See, when I came to Christ, I became his. When you came to Christ, you became his. And there have been all kinds of things that, that you will pick up from the world around you, that you have had to pull out the weeds and junk of your heart, the idols in our hearts, the the, the uh things that we cling to other than God, those those weeds growing in us, and we may at times look a lot like the fields around us but you have to know that just because you look, just because you've messed up and you start to look like you've, you've got all these weeds in you, you should know that your identity is in Him. And because you are His, you rest in His, his house. You are His property. You, we are His. And so because of that, we can recognize that, that regardless of the weeds growing in me, I'm still my God's. I can still trust that, that, that I'm not defined by these weeds and these things growing around me. But also I recognize that because I'm his, I want to represent him well. I don't want to look like the field across the street. I want to look like God's yard, you know? And so I think that reality of recognizing, man, just living in this world, we're going to pick up things. We're going to pick up a worldview that's unhealthy. And we have to constantly work to not be conformed to the world around us. We have to pull out those weeds. We have to regularly pull out those weeds and allow ourselves to, to continue to, to fight to look like the true, uh, true yard that we are. We fight to true, look like the true children of God that we are. It's, yeah, we can go and we can put on our old, uh, you know, our old jacket that doesn't fit us anymore, but it doesn't fit us anymore. It's not, it doesn't belong to us. We can continue to go and sin in the same old ways we have, but it doesn't, that doesn't fit you anymore. If you are a child of God, you are His, His beloved possession. He loves us so much. We are His. And because of that, my identity rests in that, and I don't have to worry about if I mess up, did I, did I stop being His? But also because of that, I want to pull out these weeds because I want to reflect Him and be what I was called to be. Be, that's the, start living out this, this, this. The reason I was given this new identity to be a part of that transformation process of the world around me, that I'd be able to transform that field across the street into another part of his yard. You know that that I would be able to make a difference in the world around me if I begin to reflect him the the way that I was called to. Uh, then I can then make a difference in, in in those around me. That is that's the beautiful part of sanctification. Whether or not you grow in sanctification, you're still his but when you do, you're able to make a difference in the world around you and live out your purpose here on this earth. Not conforming to this world is gonna be a lifelong journey of weed pulling, uh, but we have to continue to do it if we wanna reflect the new identity we have in Christ. So, sanctification is a response to the gospel that requires a rejection of conformity But it also requires a renewal of the mind, a renewal of the mind. Renewal of the mind, uh, verse 2b. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So you can't just pull weeds out. We all need our soil to be healthier. We want our grass to begin to grow, right? Uh, I'm so sorry for caring, pulling this this uh, this you know example, this illustration into two points. Forgive me for that, uh, but I think it it, it works. Uh, just come with go with me on this. We need ha- we we need to grow healthier grass, right? There is that 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 reality that that. We need to not just not be conformed, not allow that other junk in. We also need to be transformed into what God wants. We need that healthy soil to, to help us to grow healthy grass. We want to reflect him well, and the only way that happens is if we receive the water of the word if we if we place ourselves in a healthy community of of believers, if we spend time in prayer, as we do that as we allow God to speak into our heart and transform us it, it it helps to helps us in this process of sanctification now even more than that what we really what we really need not just to reject the worldview of of our former selves of this age but To receive the worldview of the coming age that's already entering now, the world, the gospel worldview. See, this is a worldview that transforms the way we look at our sin, and it transforms the way we look at our righteousness, it transforms everything about us, it transforms our purpose in life. If you gain a gospel worldview, it helps to transform that, and it only happens, like I said, through reading your word, through spending time in a Christian gospel-centered community, in prayer, it's in these places where that worldview shifts. But what exactly is a gospel worldview? A gospel worldview is when we receive the narrative that Scripture gives us that God created a good world, that He desired to, to, to uh, display His glory. When he created humanity, he created us to be to be caretakers and to work alongside with him, to partner with him, to create and to cultivate and build something beautiful and be image bearers and reflect his glory as we rule and reign in this earth with him. This is what God called us to. This is the, the gospel worldview to understand what we were intended to do, but beyond that, what happened was sin broke things down. Sin began to destroy. Sin enslaved and brought death. And then Christ comes and takes that death, and he takes sin onto himself, and he dies on the cross. He goes down into the grave, and when he raises, he, raises victor- he rises victorious over sin and death. And, he, and then he ascends into the heavens, and, he, and he's reigning. What he's done is he's entered into the depths of darkness the worst place is possible, and then he reigns in all of those places so that he can redeem all of those places. This is what God is doing. This is God's rescue plan, and we are part of that rescue plan. As I mentioned, as he begins to reign in our hearts and we can reflect God around us, we can invite others to have their hearts transformed. This is, this is what is going on uh, this is the Gospel worldview, and as you receive it and as it becomes truly part of you, you become you begin to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. you begin to be transformed and and I, I have to say that once you get this worldview, once you really truly grasp it, once the Gospel takes a hold of your heart, those darkest moments in your life become the moments where you love God more than you've ever known how to love before. Those darkest moments of your life become a place of redemption where you can reveal God's glory to those around you because people can see the grace of God in a way they've never seen it before. This is what we see um, when when Jesus goes into one of the Pharisees' houses, um, and this this woman comes in. Uh, she's called the the sinful woman. That's all we know about her. She she's a sinful woman, and she's she's uh, uses her hair and her tears to wipe Jesus' feet. And the Pharisees are just like, you know, this is this is a horrible thing. You cannot come in here and do this. Uh, this goes against our customs. This is un. This is not good. You know, and. Uh, Jesus, do you know about this woman? Do you know about how horrible she is? And then Jesus uses this as a teaching moment. He talks about this money lender who has lent one, the one person owes him 500 denarii, another person owes him 50 denarii, and he forgives both of their debts. And then he asks them, who do you think loved him more in response to that forgiveness they received? And they were like, well, the one who owed 500 denarii. And and then he's like, this is why this woman loves me so much because I forgive her for her sins. There's this... Sense that the the darkest parts of our lives, the most embarrassing places of our heart can and and can be redeemed and God wants to redeem them. He sees it. He knows it. All we all we have to do is recognize and say, God, we give it to you. The thing we desire to do typically is run and hide. We don't want anybody to know about those little things we think in our mind. We don't want anybody to know about those things that we did when we were kids. We don't want anybody to know about the things we're even doing as adults. Like there are things that, that many of us have hidden. For so long and God's saying, I wanna redeem that. I wanna take you and redeem you. And when you are transformed, you become a picture of 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 who I am and what I can do in a dark spot in a dark life. I can bring light into any dark place. No matter how dark it is, his light shines into the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. Like this is the reality. That when we see our brokenness, when we when we have a gospel worldview, that we understand our brokenness can be overcome by the goodness and love of God and the grace of God. When we understand that, every time we fall, every time we fail, we don't run from Him, but we see and we seek Him and we run to Him, and He transforms us, and we can stand tall not because of our own ability not because we're anything special but because he has transformed us and because the creator of all loves us and and has said no you are still my child you are still mine let me help you pull these weeds out let me help you pull this junk out of your heart give the brokenness to me let me take it to the cross let me take it down to the grave let me rise victorious over it in your life and some of you have may have struggled with addiction, maybe you have struggled with uh you know different temptations regularly over and over and over again, and, and you feel embarrassed or ashamed of those things, and I want to encourage you, run to God's word and let his word give you a gospel worldview that 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 says, No, take all of that to me. Go to be a part of a community of believers that, that says, let me speak truth into this. Let me speak the gospel into this situation because as we begin to speak that into your life, as, as you read it and you understand it and make it a part of your life, you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind because you expe- accept that, that gospel worldview. But as you renew your mind, as you receive that gospel worldview, what happens is that you're able to discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God, and this is where Paul goes on the rest of the chapter, talking about the ways that sanctification is lived out. We begin to see that loving God and loving others looks uh, this way, you know, this certain way. Read, read Romans twelve, like for real. Read it and, and go through it and see how how uh, when we do this, how we are transformed. This is what God does as he gives us this new worldview. As we enter into that true gospel worldview that changes us, transforms us, that we respond to the gospel. Let me say it again, man. The sanctification is a response to the gospel that requires a rejection of conformity and a renewal of the mind. And as we walk in this and live in this, we are changed from glory to glory. We are able to more rightly reflect the God whose we are, you know, the love that has transformed that we can f- reflect him better. God is calling all of us to continue to press forward. Being living sacrifices, it's, it's not gonna be easy. Dying yourself is not gonna be easy. Growing up is hard. <laughs> Letting go of false worldviews is hard. Letting go of, of sin habits is hard. Sometimes even recognizing them is difficult. But as we begin to live out these, these new identities and grow uh, into them, we are able to to move from being babies in Christ to being fully formed in Christ. And that's really the goal. That's it. That's what we're trying to do here. It, it won't be uh, complete in this life. We're not going to finish. We're not going to be perfected in this world. But we strive towards that every day. We pull out those weeds daily, because they' con- the, live just simply walking around this world, we're going to res- get more weeds, right? We, we trans- Let our minds be transformed by the, the gospel worldview. And once we understand it, we're encouraged towards maturity. I'm going to close with uh, just three uh, applications for us today. First of all, spend time in your word. Spend time reading the Bible. Spend time reading the Bible. The more of it you can read, the better, because as you do, it, it begins to shape your worldview. Man, we're we are watching things daily. We, we go to Netflix, go to YouTube, we go to whatever, what, you know. We, we see things on social media. Things come into our brains all day long We need to continue to go back to god's word and allow that to be the thing that helps to shape the narrative of our mind that we receive that gospel worldview so spend time in your word secondly spend time in a gospel-centered community if you are not a part of a community group yet i strongly urge you to join a community group. This is where we're able to pray with one another. We're able to encourage one another. We're able to talk about God's word together. This is where when you fall and are struggling, you can take it to this group and they can they can encourage you and remind you of the gospel and what the gospel says about your situation. This is part of helping us understand a gospel worldview. So spend time in a gospel-centered community. And lastly, don't stop working on yourself. Don't stop working on yourself. Know that when you fail, uh, you are still his. Know that uh, there is always grace waiting for you. But don't stop working on yourself. Keep moving forward. You know, uh, when you see those same uh, sin habits and patterns come back into your life, things you thought you had overcome, just pull that weed out and keep going. Continue to water yourself with the word of God. Continue to dive into his word. We want to become fully formed in Jesus. And as you do this, uh, continue to, as you do this, uh, you continue this journey uh, of true worship. Worship that takes place not by just singing songs, not by just giving some money or, or going to a church. Worship that takes place in everyday life as we die daily, as we become these living sacrifices, dying with Christ so that we might rise with Him as well. I'm gonna go ahead and close out with a word of prayer and we'll come back and we'll do the benediction after, uh, after a song to close out. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that no matter uh, what, what we do, once we've placed our trust in you, once we are yours, we are yours, God. You, you, you hold us close. You love us deeply. Our identity doesn't change every time uh, we mess up. We don't become something different just because we start to look like something different. God, help us to submit our lives and our hearts to you daily moment, every, and every moment as well. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.